Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On today's episode, we will be talking about some of the crazy stuff that has emerged as a result of the draft lottery last night. And uh, let's just say that things probably did not turn out the way a lot of folks thought it would. For those of you who are on Team Chaos and very much enjoy the most random, insane results possible, well, you got your wish because the NHL draft lottery looks like something out of somebody's nightmare scenario for the NHL. Without further ado, though, let's talk about what teams have made the top eight picks. At number eight, we have the Buffalo Sabres, a squad that continually somehow finds a way to be bad and yet still not get rewarded with more than just a couple of decent prospects and a lackluster roster with a lot of aging free agents. Now, uh, Rasmus Dahlin, of course, was one of their rewards a couple of seasons ago for being one of the worst teams in the NHL, and again, they find themselves in a time where they were bad enough to be a lotto team again, it's still not quite getting it past pick number eight. Their blue line is still pretty ragged, and let's be honest, their forward units could probably use some support, especially with Eichel seemingly more than a little displeased with the direction of the team. They frankly need to get whatever talent they can and improve the squad quickly because there are some good core pieces under contract or within team control, but until that time where they're able to go a little bit further and, and draft a bit more talent and actually retain that talent, the Sabres are going to be in a pretty rough spot for the next few seasons. In this draft, the top 10 pick is definitely pretty good, but I'm sure that they were hoping for a little bit more out of this top 8 spot. At 7th are the New Jersey Devils, and that's kind of like another situation where the Devils are also pretty bad, and I think that, like the Buffalo Sabres, they really could have benefited from a top 3 pick. I think most of the squads here could, but... Uh, In particular, the Sabres and the Devils have kind of been spinning their wheels for the past few seasons, and it's a little bit tough to see because I think the the Devils have shown some signs of being good enough to occasionally challenge, but then once uh, everything kind of collapsed and they ended up trading Taylor Hall and stuff, the team declined fairly quickly. They've made more competitive noise in, in the past couple of seasons than the Sabres have, but that's not saying a whole lot because at the end of the day, the Devils are still pretty rough around the edges. The team ahead of them in the sixth overall spot, the Anaheim Ducks, really isn't in a much better position. In fact, the Ducks might be worse in some ways, although New Jersey, again, it's kind of like uh, trying to pick your favorite worst team on this whole list. Um, the Ducks definitely need to overhaul a lot of different things in their entire prospect system because they don't have a whole lot of roster depth right now, and most of their most productive players are, are either kind of in their primes, exiting their primes, or pretty old. There are some signs of life for the team going forward, and I think that uh, you know maybe Dallas Eakins' new tenure as head coach might produce something decent. And they also have a number of talented center prospects and some college agents that have come over and helped kind of round out their depth. But again, uh, of course, the Ducks definitely need a, a higher, a uh, couple of higher end picks to really push that team a little bit more than where they're at because right now they're definitely behind the LA Kings in terms of system depth and arguably the way that the Kings play under the current head coaching staff is a lot better than what the Ducks have put forth. The previous three teams though probably don't hold a candle to the fifth overall picking team and that is the Ottawa Senators. This is their uh, second of two first round top eight picks and look the Suns are kind of in a situation where 
I don't know. I don't really know what to think of this team. I mean, they seemingly avoid scandals for a couple of months, and then all of a sudden something else breaks, and the Suns look incompetent again. This team has had so many trials and tribulations, mostly of of the ownership team's doing and sometimes of the coaching staff's doing, and I, I, I don't really know what to say about the squad other than that. They do have two top eight picks, and uh, they obviously have a decent shot at getting some really talented prospects out of these, but again, once you see the uh, final results of this draft lotto, you'll understand why they're not quite as lucky as they thought they were going to be. At fourth overall, uh, maybe the team that got screwed the most out of this entire process is probably the Detroit Red Wings. They were the worst team in the NHL by a pretty fair margin, and they got fourth overall in this draft, which is pretty nuts when you think about it. I, I actually don't mind not rewarding teams that intentionally tank or are this bad because I feel like that just sets a, a bad precedent, but I also understand that it's an, a way to potentially rebalance the league in a few seasons. You can help build challengers to the current uh, top teams and, and reigning champions by rewarding teams that are really struggling and giving them a chance to uh, equal the playing field a bit, although I don't know that this theory really holds out in a lot of respects. I think that there are plenty of times where this hasn't really panned out, but I get why it still exists. That said, Detroit fans can probably feel pretty upset with the fact that they did not come away with a top three pick. The Sens also had the third overall pick, which I think they'll be pretty pleased with. Uh, again, though, it's not quite the top two picks, but I, I think that they're going to be pretty pleased with getting uh, someone like Tim Stutzler. I think that you really can't complain with that. Uh, and I think Tim Stutzla, I'm not really sure what position he'll play. I think it's only recently that he's been thought of as some kind of a center, but I am sure that they are going to be pleased. And the last team that we will talk about, which I think, before we get to the first overall pick, this one is a more interesting scenario, and this is the LA Kings coming in at second overall. Now, the Kings really have two options to choose from, and that would be either Tim Stutzla or uh, Quentin Byfield. And I think, in my case, I, I want Byfield all the way. And I, I said last episode that I think Byfield has been slipping down prospect rankings a little bit below somebody like Tim Stutzla, and I don't really understand that. Byfield might be one of the most talented center prospects the league has seen in several years, and, uh, you know, obviously we have been blessed by a lot of centers in recent times like Matthews, McDavid, Eichel, a whole host of top-end centers that really have set the pace and, and raised the bar for top-end prospects who play in that central role. Byfield should absolutely be considered in that same territory, and I think that he'll long-term be one of the best centers this league has ever seen. The Kings, on account of being very bad, have managed to amass a really good prospect system and a wealth of opportunities for them to rebuild. Now, not every prospect system, just because it's deep, is going to pan out, so you want as many lottery tickets as you can get for that opportunity and hope that at least some of them pan out and become NHLers. As far as, you know, guaranteed NHLers are concerned, though, I think that you really can't go wrong with Byfield, and I think that the Kings have to be ecstatic with where they finished and what they pulled out of this, because they, I think, were actually not, uh, I'm not sure if they were in the bottom three or not, but they were pretty far down, not far enough, though. I think they ended up moving up quite a few spots to get the second overall pick. Before we reveal the magic first overall pick team, I thought I would give a shout out to the wonderful folks at Built Bar, who are purveyors of a great alternative to your usual boring protein bar. Built Bars are more like candy bars, with a dark chocolate outer coating and a soft, chewy interior. If you're tired of the boring, desiccated husks of protein bars most companies are putting out, and hate all of the really crappy, inedible flavors many of them come with, then Built Bar has your back. 
My personal recommendation is the raspberry chocolate. I think that that's one of their best flavors, and I really like it, but I also have a soft spot for the mint chocolate. You really can't go wrong with the classic combo of mint and dark chocolate. They also have eight nut-free flavors, so if you're worried about that, Built Bar also has you covered. Even though Built Bars taste really great, they don't sacrifice anything on the nutritional front. Many of them are 170 calories or less, with around 6 grams of fat and 30% of your daily protein intake. Built Bars have the perfect balance of great taste, nutritional value, and that protein punch you're looking for, whether as a snack, breakfast, or anything in between. If you head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you can get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. It's been a weird season for the NHL, and I think most folks could agree that the fact that we're kind of sitting here waiting for a return to play in the midst of a pandemic, and we also happen to have a draft lottery going on, is probably one of the weirdest circumstances that we've ever seen in an NHL season. And it's about to get weirder, folks, because, uh, you know, last night, the team that won the draft lottery doesn't actually have a name. It is a mysterious placeholder team, and there are actually 16 eligible candidates as of right now to win the first overall pick in this year's NHL entry draft. And those teams include the Pittsburgh Penguins, Montreal Canadiens, Carolina Hurricanes, New York Rangers, New York Islanders, Florida Panthers, Toronto Maple Leafs, Columbus Blue Jackets, Edmonton Oilers, Chicago Blackhawks, Nashville Predators, Arizona Coyotes, Vancouver Canucks, Minnesota Wild, Calgary Flames, and Winnipeg Jets. The teams that lose in this first uh, best-of-five qualifying round actually have the highest odds of, of drafting the first overall pick over like the Detroit Red Wings, if you can believe it. And so here's what teams I probably expect to come out of this uh, and, and be the eight eligible squads. I think Montreal, the Rangers, uh, the Florida Panthers, um, probably the Blue Jackets, and then from the Western Conference, maybe Chicago, the Arizona Coyotes, arguably the Minnesota Wild, and then maybe the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, that that would be a potential scenario. The, the Minnesota Wild might actually end up beating Vancouver. Kind of a toss-up on a lot of these. But let's just, for argument's sake, say that that is the eight. The teams I do not want to get this first overall pick uh, include like Edmonton, Nashville, um, who else? Probably Pittsburgh. I, I I would be okay with like the Blue Jackets getting it. I definitely don't want to see it go to Toronto. I don't think that we need to see Lafreniere go to a team that's going to be even more obnoxious than it already is. But, you know, all that said, let's talk about what this means for the Jets. The Jets have, uh, if they lose, like a, around an 8 or 12% chance of getting the first overall pick. Now that is, when you think about this season, just extraordinary. This is the first time, I believe, in NHL history that a team uh, not within the bottom seven, I believe by record, is is going to win the first overall pick. This has just never happened. To be honest, I don't really know if the Jets are actually good enough to win a, a playoff round against the Calgary Flames, and by the same token, I don't really see the Flames as being, uh, you know, anywhere near as good as they need to be to, to advance past this qualifying round either. And so I'm kind of in the boat of being of two minds. I feel like, on the one hand, I would definitely love to see the Jets have some kind of a deep playoff run and pull off the impossible while winning the Cup, probably on the back of Connor Hellebuck, because let's be honest, the rest of this team has enough deficiencies that Hellebuck would have to cover a lot of, of holes and hopefully continue his Vesna-worthy performance on through the rest of the postseason. On the flip side of things, you know, <laughs> I don't really want to root against the Jets, but I also would not be upset if they did not go that deeply past this qualifying round. I would be very okay if they lost. Why? Because I think that someone like Lafreniere 
would be a game changer. Or, you know, if they kind of went a little bit against the current grain of thinking and drafted Byfield, I think that you would be equally as ecstatic because you have a choice between two first-line superstar talents. And in many ways, Byfield is an even bigger need for the Jets than somebody like Lafreniere. But, I mean, again, you really can't go wrong with either. They're both generational talents, I suppose you could say, and I think that they have the potential to be first-line superstars, if if not now, then in the near future. There are quite a few teams that are going to be jockeying for position here, but I think in a lot of ways this just represents how kind of broken this whole system is. The fact that a team that is eligible to make it into the playoffs through this weird scheme actually has a shot at the first overall pick just kind of speaks to the fact that the NHL really forced this whole situation um, in, in going for like a, a return-to-play scenario. What is very ironic about this is that the placeholder team would actually have been the Jets in a normal season because Winnipeg, I think, was uh, 12th last, and that's actually the pick that ended up winning the lotto. So, you know, Winnipeg can kind of feel a little bit robbed here, but I am sure that they are very pleased with the fact that they still have a shot at the first overall pick over some of these other teams, man. Like, can you believe it? A team that's not in the bottom seven is going to walk away with one of the best talents in NHL history. There is one additional wrinkle that makes it even more interesting, and this is a scenario that I feel as we go on is increasingly likely, and that's the scenario that we actually don't have a resuming of the NHL season or a postseason. And in this scenario, all the bottom eight teams that I believe it would go by points percentage here, they would actually have um, a 12.5% chance of winning the draft lotto. For a variety of reasons, this is obviously the best outcome if you're the Jets because you don't risk any of your players. You don't have to worry about playing through a fairly difficult series against the Calgary Flames, and you have a shot at winning one of the best talents in NHL history. I'm sure all the guys want to play and, and kind of get things back underway, but by the same token, you know, there's an increasing number of, of cases in North America of COVID. They still haven't even decided on a hub city yet. And let's be honest, a lot of these guys haven't been actively training seriously for the past several months. They're going to have to travel, and it sounds like a number of American airlines are suddenly opening up with full capacity flights and, you know, minimal social distancing. So, in my opinion, I think that most NHL teams and a lot of the players would probably rather wait until things pass instead of forcing it and putting themselves and their teammates at risk. You know, I I get that they all do want to play to some degree, but I think guys like Steven Stamkos and a lot of these other players are thinking, you know, what what happens if one of us gets sick? That's putting their career at risk, and maybe staying at home and playing it safe would be the better option. We're already seeing tons of college and professional sports teams all saying the same thing, that they're starting to see an increase in positive cases because these guys are going out and they're picking it up from somewhere. Doesn't matter where, but they're bringing it back with them. I think that this scenario, whatever happens, though, really does favor a team like the Jets because Winnipeg is not that great. We have to be honest, they're they're pretty rough around the edges, but they can still walk away winners out of this whole thing. Even, of course, if they just stay where they are in terms of their pick progress and don't end up winning on, you know, the first overall lotto pick, I think that they have to be happy. I mean, this is an opportunity where if they advance in the playoffs, they get a chance to, to keep going and try for the cup. If they lose out in the first round, who even cares? They get a shot at the first overall pick. I mean, this is like a total win-win situation for a team like the Jets, who are frankly on the bubble anyways. Before we continue talking about the NHL draft and all of the stuff that has happened with the Lotto, I did want to give you one quick heads up about something that the Locked On Podcast Network feels very passionately about. We at the Locked On Podcast Network stand against racism and social injustice. That's why we, as the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. 
And in the month of June, Lockdown is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. Again, that is LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. Before we sign off for tonight, I thought I would talk about some of the NHL.com's brief top eight mock drafts. And some of these I, uh, I'm pretty okay with, and some of them I'm kind of like, what? Um, so let's talk about the one from Adam Kimmelman, which I think might be, at least at the bottom part of this top eight, a little more controversial. He's got Lafreniere, then Byfield, Stutzla, Marco Rossi, Jamie Drysdale, Cole Perfetti, Holtz, and Jack Quinn. Now, the only one that I really take issue with here is Quinn, because I think that if you have uh, Lucas Raymond outside of this top 10, I think that you're really doing yourself a disservice. Well, not just out of the top 10, but I think he needs to be in the top eight. Raymond's a phenomenal talent, and I think that if, you know, Quinn, in this case, uh, the eighth overall would be Buffalo. If if the Sabres selected Quinn, they'd really be passing on a much more talented prospect and somebody with, I think, higher upside in, in Lucas Raymond. Um, as far as the other picks are concerned... Rossi to Detroit, I like. Jamie Drysdale to the Sens makes a lot of sense. I think that those are very sensible picks. Um, and then we move to Mike Morreale. I don't know how you pronounce that last name. Hopefully I got that right. He's got Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, Drysdale, Rossi, Perfetti, Raymond, and then Holtz. And I like all of these picks for all of these teams because a lot of these top eight contenders, um, aside from the first overall pick, all of these teams are, are getting something that they need out of this draft. Uh, a lot of centers here are going to teams that have major deficiencies in the center department. And, you know, Raymond and Holtz um, would both be going to teams that really need some goal-scoring help up front. And so I think that this is a very sensible top eight. I don't mind it at all. Drysdale to the Red Wings would be interesting. I think that that's the only one that some people might be like, uh, I don't know, you know. I think that as far as this is concerned, I think that if you think Drysdale is the best player available at fourth overall, that you would take him. And I can see certainly some arguments for that because Drysdale, as a defender, has some immensely unique skill sets and and tools that I think not many blue liners um, in his draft class and in previous draft classes really bring. The final one is uh, from Guillaume Lepage, and this is Lafreniere, Stutzla, Byfield, Macorossi, Jamie Drysdale, Lucas Raymond, Alexander Holtz, and then Cole Perfetti. Now, this one is interesting between picks 6 and 8, because this is the only one of these three uh, samples that has Perfetti outside of pick number 6. Um, and I also kind of think it's interesting that Raymond is ranked ahead of Perfetti, which, you know, obviously it sounds like Guillaume kind of thinks Raymond potentially has higher upside than some of the other guys. Um, I'm also interested to see that Holtz is a little bit ahead of Perfetti. If I recall correctly, Holtz was the one who I felt probably had some work to do, but this is also a guy who looks like he's going to be one of the top goal scorers in the NHL, uh, especially in a few seasons after he's had a bit more time to physically mature and develop his skill sets. Cole Perfetti, I think, is a little more pro-ready and a little more well-rounded. But, you know, as far as kind of somewhat bolder takes, I kind of like having Raymond this high up just because... I always like somebody who swings for the fences, and if you take Lucas Raymond, you are definitely swinging for the fences on somebody with some really tantalizing tool sets um, who just needs some work on stuff like skating and whatnot. For the most part, I don't think that any of these are too controversial. The only thing that I didn't really agree with was Jack Quinn at 8th overall, but the other rankings I feel are pretty sensible, and I'd be curious to know what you guys thought, so if you have your own top 8, be sure to hit me up at HLLivingLoco or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. 
That's going to do it for tonight's episode. But before you log off, be sure to listen to our Locked On NHL National podcast, um, hosted by Sarah Evampato. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.